You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G Sports.com. Arkansas has wrapped up spring football. Obviously, there's a lot going on with with basketball and the transfer market, and Eric Musselman signing his new contract. Baseball team uh, just won the series over Texas A&M and is the number one ranked um, team in the SEC. And uh, we're going to talk about all that and more. And Keith Grayson is going to join us as well. It's all happening in the Five. All right, everybody, before we get started, I'm not going to go over the how to listen and all that stuff. Everybody knows how to follow the page and all that stuff. So be sure to do that if you haven't and leave us the five-star review. But today is a free day at hogsports.com. Uh, That's part of the 24-7 Sports Network for those of you who aren't familiar. And we just it's just a way of us saying, you know, thank you for reading all of our free content and here's our VIP content. So for those who aren't familiar with how we do things, we run a lot of free stuff at Hog Sports. Generally, it's stuff maybe that comes out of a press release or stuff that comes out of a press conference, stuff that you can read elsewhere. We try to do it better than elsewhere, but it's generally stuff that you can get elsewhere. Uh, but thank you for reading all of that. And our VIP stuff is more stuff we put more research into, stuff that's maybe insider information or our recruiting coverage and things like that. So you can read all of that stuff again at Hog Sports, and you don't have to do anything. We just left the door unlocked. You don't have to sign up or anything like that. Also, our message boards are free, our crystal ball stuff, all of the features that we have at Hog Sports are free. Now, you can't post on the message board, but you can read everything on there today. So go check that out. You're going to enjoy it. And we're going to go over some of the stuff that, we, you know, that we've done for VIP, including the last look. Uh, that I did from Arkansas scrimmage on Saturday. You know, I was there live in the press box watching the scrimmage, you know, came back, went over some of the old videos uh, from post-game Zoom interviews, some of the old practice footage and, you know, some of my old notes and all that stuff. And then, of course, rewatched the game on demand on SEC Network Plus uh, just to get a more in-depth feel for, for how things shook out, put together a depth chart, nine deep at some points. That's kind of what we say at Hog Sports. We like to overanalyze everything. And uh, we certainly did this with the red-white scrimmage. You know, just talking about quarterback, first of all, really impressed the way K.J. Jefferson played. I expected him to not have a very good game just because they were going against the number one defense. And I don't know, I, I just kind of thought that We've been talking about, like, God, they need, they need a lot of work here and there. And that's it's kind of the opposite. You know, they came out blazing. He hit that 36-yard pass to Traylon Burks. And really, you know, when I'm watching, I was like, he faded away. But watch it, you know, watch it on the replay. He had to fade away because Grant Morgan's coming on a blitz. And, you know, the fact that he had an all-SEC linebacker putting pressure on him and completed the pass to Traylon Burks, all-SEC wide receiver, against an all-SEC defensive back in Jalen Catalan and put it perfectly on the money – you know, the only guy there is not all SEC in that equation was uh, was uh, K.J. Jefferson. So, I thought that was a really nice throw. And then, of course, um, the next play hit Mike Woods 33 yards uh, deep into the end zone. He also had a nice 42-yard uh, throw to uh, Trey Knox later in the scrimmage, who, which I thought he was sacked on the play. I mean, the rules are touch sacks, and he was touched. He also had a 27-yard run where, you know, he might have gotten to, into the end zone, lowered his shoulder and, and went into the end zone of that, but went out at the 11-yard line. I also thought he was touched on that one. So, good day overall for K.J. Jefferson. What did he finish up? Uh, 
6 of 11 for 153 yards and two touchdowns with a 231.4 passer rating. Also, Malik Hornsby on the other side of the ball, 11 of 18 for 144 yards and a touchdown. I thought he had his best practice that I've watched him so far. Um, you know, I, I wonder with Hornsby and Jefferson also, when they're able to incorporate quarterback runs, how dangerous those guys can be, especially Hornsby and the fact that he is – super explosive like he can really really leave some people in the dust and Jefferson's like that too and I mentioned you know on my walk and talk afterwards that he came over to us uh pretty close to us for the first time in what I guess we've watched 13 of the 15 spring practices have been open and on Thursday last Thursday he came over with all the quarterbacks and stuff so you get a good close up look I mean he looks huge he is so big to be a guy that can move like that so I just feel I love what I'm hearing about KJ from other players and from the coaches and you know some of the stuff we've seen. I think all that is very encouraging. You never totally know what you've got, but I got to think that KJ once they have like design quarterback runs and there's the threat of him doing that stuff, it's just going to open things up more for him. I mean, that's the hope at least, right? So, I think one thing that that kind of jumps out and we talked about this a little bit too, but the rushing number – so the red team won 30-20. to 20. So the backup offense and the first team defense beat, you know, um, the first offense and the and – the, the first offense and the backup defense. First offense and the backup defense was white. First defense and backup offense was red. It gets confusing. But I think one reason you saw, like, what they put up, 196 – no, excuse me. 228 rushing yards for the red offense. And the reason you saw that happen is there's just the biggest discrepancy in the game was the backup offensive line against the backup defensive line. Okay. And there's a few reasons for that. First of all, like Bo Limmer, Brady Latham, those guys combined to start 15 games last year. Okay. Combined to start 15 games. The backup defensive line combined to play in 10 games, and that's three games from Marcus Miller and seven games mostly on special teams from Eric Thomas. And that's it. I mean, so that's where a big there was a big difference. Plus, they went with a 4-2-5, so you had more players, you know, on the first group defense versus the second, you know. It, 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 and it wasn't like, like people will say, hear me say that and be like, oh, is there a problem with depth on the defensive line? But the real problem was you had Isaiah Nichols out, uh, you had Jashad Stewart out, and you went with a four-man front. So it was like you had really, to me, the, the top three available defensive tackles on the uh, on the red team defense, and probably, I mean, technically the top four defensive ends. And Jashad Stewart wasn't even you know available. So technically the top four defensive ends, but uh, Eric Gregory was playing defensive tackle. So really the top three defensive ends. Uh, and the top three or so defensive tackles all on the red team. So it wasn't just like the starting group and then the second team. They say it like that, but it's really more, you know, third team uh, with that backup def- uh, with that backup defense really overall, but specifically on the defensive line. So that's one reason you saw, I think, such a big discrepancy. You also had Shane Clinton. I mean, Ryan Winkle. Those guys are, have all been in the system a pretty good bit. And, you know, flipping it over – even though you had what I kind of thought maybe three or four of the top five running backs uh, on the white team on the starting uh, on the starting offense, 
the, the matchup was just better, offensive line versus defensive line. Plus, you had uh, Marcus Henderson starting at right tackle, who's a redshirt freshman who, until this past week, had been working as the backup left tackle the whole time. And he's facing Dorian Gerald, who I thought Dorian Gerald had a really good spring. I thought a lot of guys on the starting defensive line had a good spring. Um, and Marcus Henderson held his own most of the time when it came to pass blocking, but there were some times in run blocking where he was just overpowered. I mean, Dorian Gerald's a six-year senior. So there were some times where he was just overpowered, just outmatched uh, in that. And, you know, probably a little bit with his steps playing a role in that, you know, versus, you know, playing the left side versus playing the right side. So those are some reasons I think you saw such a big discrepancy. And, you know, when K.J. Jefferson was in there, the the white team was winning. I jumped out to a 17-3 lead also. Uh, moving forward, you had, you know, you started sprinkling in some of the backup quarterbacks and, uh, you know, some backup skill players and stuff like that. But um, overall, I thought it was a pretty successful spring. You had over 18,000 uh, tickets. I'm not sure how many people signed up, but 18,000 people signed up for, for tickets. It's probably fairly close to that, probably not quite 18,000. Uh, it was kind of cold, too. It was 52 degrees, felt more like 42 degrees, I thought, uh, but pretty cold out there and overcast. So, you know, with uh, as we just look at, like, Obviously, Traylon Burks did the things you think, you know, you would hope he did. Mike Woods came out blazing. Trey Knox, you know, Trey Knox has had a pretty good spring overall. And uh, that's a guy that definitely fell off last year, but they need him to step up. And, you know, he's going to get other guys back. He's going to get Devion Warren back. You know, Jaqueline Crawford did some good things. There was a there was a play I mentioned, the 70-yard touchdown pass on the first play of the second half from Malik Hornsby to Jaqueline Crawford. And, you know, it's like the, it's like he's throwing it as he's getting hit, like as he's getting touched. Like there was a couple of plays that I mentioned KJ got away with that, and you know Hornsby didn't. Otherwise, Hornsby's statistics would have been really impressive. Jaquelin Crawford would have had a really nice catch. Uh, so that's notable. You know Hudson Henry had I think just one catch, but. He's had a really good spring also. In the last scrimmage, he had a, t- a couple of catches and uh, and some nice hits also. T.J. Hammonds with nine carries for 67 yards. Had a couple of fumbles. I thought he recovered one of those fumbles, but they gave it to the – they flipped it over to the other team. Now, Dominic Johnson's a guy that I want to talk about mostly at the running back spot because – and, again, I talked about him a little bit on the walk talk, so I'm rehashing a little bit of this stuff. But, uh, to me, Dominic solidified himself as a running back because I was thinking maybe this is a guy you look at at linebacker. But what I think he's impressed me with, you know, and he's 6'1", 240, so you know he can bull over people. Uh, he's got decent speed. Uh, he's not just going to, like, break off huge runs, although he had a 25-yarder and averaged 9.8 yards carry. But his balance, I think his balance really stood out. And that's something that I think it, people don't talk about enough with running backs. I always talk about, like, does he break tackles when he's not doing anything? You know, like the people just hit him and just kind of bounce off of him. And and he and that happens with him. Like, he doesn't have to make a move sometimes. Um, he's really strong in the hip area. He had a nice spin move against uh, – uh, um, oh, I'm spacing on his name. Malik uh, – Miles <laughs> Slusher. Miles Slusher. I was wanting to say Malik Warnsby, but, yeah, Miles Slusher. Uh, he had a nice – now, Miles Slusher also had a nice tackle on Dominic Johnson that went for a three-yard game. Uh, and we'll get to Malik a little bit, uh, or excuse me, Miles a little bit here. But 
what Dominic does is he has really good balance, I think. And, you know, I always like talk about Cedric Cobbs, what made him a really good running back. He always had that great balance. Um, there's a story, I believe it was Jim Brown, where he slipped on an ice cube or something and battled it, battled falling over for like five minutes. You know, great balance. And that's what I see out of Dominic Johnson also. So encouraging there as uh, a guy that can, you know, help you, I mean, a big point of emphasis all spring has been third downs, third and short, getting to third and short, first of all, and then converting third and short. And Johnson's a guy that can maybe help you get there. You know, I think other guys like Rocket Sanders have so much potential at 6'2", 220, but there's just things that he's got to get better at from, you know, just learning. And he, he's been playing other positions, just learning how to be a, a running back in the SEC. But the speed, the running ability, all that stuff is there. Just got just to gotta polish it up, I think. And he has the summer to do that. And, you know, another guy, we'll talk about some of the visitors and stuff, but A.J. Green was in attendance there watching – so, um, you know, he's another guy who has a 10-3-8, personal best in the 100 meters, good size back, probably be about 200 pounds next year. So, I think we pretty much covered the most, most of the stuff that I wanted to cover, offensive line, running backs, wide receiver, quarterback. Talked about tight end a little bit. Now, I want to flip over to, you know, the defensive side of the ball. And we know what Arkansas has at linebacker. Uh, defensive line, we talked about Dorian Gerald a little bit. And Zach Williams, who I mentioned, has really gotten a lot bigger. Mateo Soli had probably could have had two sacks. You know, I think he might have been credited with one, uh, but he, he kind of got robbed on one of those. Um, you know, Jashad Stewart was out. But Jashad Stewart's a guy that, you know, has a really great motor at defensive end. Um, and then defensive tackle, you didn't have Isaiah Nichols in there, uh, who I think has had a really good spring when he has been able to be out there. But he's had a foot injury. Uh, Torian Carter's a guy that's come on for him. But they're, they're still in the market for maybe another defensive lineman uh, in the transfer portal. That's a possibility. And we talked about linebacker a little bit. Now, safety, they went to – they you know, they, they had a uh, – uh, just four defensive backs, and you know I think they're really good shape with Monteric Brown. Now Miles Slu- uh, Miles Slusher, to me, stood out on the second team defense. He felt like, to me, like m- there might have been like three guys you'd say are like true backups on the defense on the second team defense. Second team defense quotes. There might have been like three guys. To me, Slusher was the only starter type. And he's not a starter because you've got Jalen Catalan, you've got Simeon Blair, who's had a really strong spring, you've got Joe Fouché, you know, all the, three of those guys are technically starters, but Slusher is right there with them. He's just younger. And they worked him a little bit at cornerback. Uh, they actually just kind of like, they flipped Trip Gordon uh, over to Nickel uh, from cornerback, which he's been working kind of both. Uh, but they used Miles Slusher at cornerback. I thought he played well there. And I think that might be a path for him to get on the field earlier. I think he might be able to push a guy like Hudson Clark for a starting spot. Um, you know, and, and it's a, it's an overall young group of safeties. So they're going to be back for the most part next year. Joe Fouché might move on, but he's got the option to come back if he wants to. He's, he's a senior, but. Maybe that's a – and, it, you know, regardless, Miles Slusher is going to be in the rotation at safety. He's going to play a lot. But to me, I think he has the speed. I've seen him, like, on kickoff return just running straight, weaving through people. He's got the speed to play there. I think he's got the hips, coverage ability. Uh, but I thought, you know, also at safety, he really stood out on the on the uh, backup defense, on the red team defense. So maybe something to consider working him at safety a little bit. 
somebody else, I believe, made a little position. Oh, I think Malik Chavis might have worked some corner also. And he's been working uh, safety all spring. But I think he worked a little bit of corner also. All right. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We talked about that group. Yeah, nice spring for K.J. Jefferson. I think right now you have you – know, and, again, you never know what you got when it's live bullets. You never know totally what you got, and we've seen a sample of him in the Missouri game. But I think you got to feel pretty good where you are right now with him. And not just, you know, what we've seen on the field, but as I mentioned, you know, some of the leadership stuff. You know, he's kind of got a message for everybody before practice. Um, and I, I'll say this, too, like, you ask a player about, you know, how's K.J. looking? Oh, he's doing fine. You know, he's doing good. He's a leader, you know, all this stuff. But you can, you know, when you do it, like, as long as I've been doing it, you learn to read body language. And, like, I'm asking Jalen Catalan after the game about K.J. You know, is he a guy that can lead you guys? And what you see is, like, they scoot up. They get up on the edge of their chair. They can't wait for you to finish asking your question so they can answer it. You know, it's like those nonverbal cues that you look for because – Generally, everybody's going to say, everybody's doing great. You're going to be like, hey, name one guy that's standing out on the offensive line. Well, the whole offensive line is standing out. Like, that's the kind of responses you get when you ask a player to name somebody who's standing out. But with KJ, you can tell, and you can tell with other guys, they, he can't wait, can't wait to tell you about KJ, you know. And that that's the kind of nonverbal stuff that I look for, um, you know, doing this as long as I have. So... I think uh, Curtis Wilkerson had a nice story on uh, just a trio of standouts. Um, you know, John David White stood out. John David played pretty much with the second group the entire first half. I don't know that he came off the field the entire first half and then played a lot later, caught passes from several different quarterbacks. But I think he had like five catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. Sophomore wide receiver out of Pulaski Academy, 5'11", 170. Who else did he have here? John David, Dominic Johnson, who we talked about. Chris Paul is another one. And to me, I've said this before, linebacker got questions for 2022, but there's plenty of opportunities for guys to emerge because like linebacker you're talking about, 
Hayden Henry, senior, who didn't play Saturday. Grant Morgan, senior. Levi Draper. Technically, I guess Levi's a senior, right? Yeah, technically he's a senior. But, you know, he, he could have a, a year back if he wanted. Bumper Pool, a senior, could have a year back if he wanted. But that's your top four linebackers in theory are seniors. So you need guys like Chris Paul, Andrew Parker, who we've talked about a lot over the years, to step up and be players. Marco Avant played just a little bit on Saturday. He's been injured most of the spring. Uh, but he was an early, another early enrollee. But Chris Paul, you know, he's, what, 6'1", 240 or so, good-looking middle linebacker. I was actually watching Paul on Thursday. I was just thinking, you know, I haven't watched him a whole lot. I'm going to just focus on him. And, I mean, the second play when I'm watching him, somebody tips the ball up in the air and he has an interception. <laughs> but, you know, I think he moves really well. He's not a guy that kind of, like, hops around or gets lost. You can just kind of see he's very patient. You know, he keeps square. He, he gets low. I, I like what I see out of him physically and, um, you know, just early on in his career. So, he might be a guy to watch down the road. They certainly could use that because linebackers just – I mean, they've gotten – like, think about how lucky they are at linebacker. Like, through recruiting and stuff, they – you know, the years where they recruited a lot of linebackers, it hasn't worked out. You know, I can go back to that 2016 class. And you had Alexi Jean-Baptiste who has moved to defensive end and then ended up leaving the program. You know, Dijon Harris obviously panned out. Giovanni LaFrance uh, ended up transferring out. And D. Walker ended up getting in some off-field stuff and transferred out. You know, so that was like the last like really big linebacker class, and you had one guy. Grant Morgan was in that class, but he was a walk-on. You know, Hayden Henry was a blue shirt. So both those guys came in off scholarship, and Hayden in practice has been running ahead of bumper pool. So, I mean, kind of think like Hayden's got a shoulder issue, so they don't do live stuff with him. They want to get his shoulder fully healthy. But, um, you know, possibly your top two linebackers are guys that came in off scholarship. Bumper will probably end up starting. But, I mean, they'll have a pretty good rotation with those three guys. And who knows on Levi Draper, who's just, you know, he's been injured since the Georgia game, trying to come back from injury. Curtis Wilkerson also has a nice inside the numbers where he just breaks down all kinds of statistics. I mean, he's probably got 30 different number breakdowns here. An injury report, of course. So, Devin Bush, who's been in a green jersey all spring. Kari Johnson. Um, Kevin Compton. Kevin Compton played, actually, I believe. No, 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 he didn't. Did he? Mm, I can't remember. Deshaun Stewart was out. Jalen Williams, defensive tackle. That's another defensive tackle that was out. Isaiah Nichols, obviously. Hayden Henry, I mentioned. Levi Draper, I mentioned. Devion Warren, who I mentioned. Colin Jackson, bless him. He's been injured his whole career at Arkansas playing tight end, but he's out. Colin Sutherland's another tight end who was out. Um, Nathan Johnson was also out, another tight end who's a walk-on. Takiest Crawford was out, uh, and Dalton Wagner. So your two top Right tackles were out, Dalton Wagner, Takiyas Crawford. And another thing with, like, Marcus Henderson, he goes about 295, so he's the lightest scholarship offensive lineman. So not only was he moved from left side to right side that week, but also the right side usually going to be a more massive player. Uh, Takiyas is 355, Wagner's 325. Uh, so they're obviously a lot bigger than him, you know. But I, th I think that – I think that Marcus Henderson is your left tackle of the future when Myron Cunningham has moved on, which Myron Cunningham looked pretty good on Saturday also. Nobody talks about Myron Cunningham. That, uh, Myron Cunningham, that's a good thing. Visitors for the red-white game, I mentioned A.J. Green. You had Chase Lowry, Devon Manuel, offensive lineman, Cole Carlson, Teb Terry Wells weren't able to make it, uh, but they were planning on going. You got several of the 2022 commits, J.J. Hollingsworth, Dax Courtney, Caden Henley, James Joyner, Andrew Chambly, um, 
and a couple of other 2022, 2023 targets that were in attendance. Again, they can't actually talk to the coaches or anything like that, but they can go to the game and view it. Quincy McAdoo's, we talked about. Quincy is committed to Arkansas. Uh, decommitted from Florida State. Let's see here, Quincy. Decommitted from Florida State last week and then flipped over to Arkansas. Number 64-ranked wide receiver, number five overall player in Arkansas, 56 on the composite, four in Arkansas. Arkansas, Florida State, Auburn, Baylor, Houston, I think Oregon. I don't know if that's listing all. Uh, Oregon, Oklahoma, Miami, Baylor, Tennessee, Texas A&M, some of the offers that he has. So really nice addition. Here you see, can he play safety? Sure, he can play safety. Nice interception there. Pick six. Here he is at wide receiver. This is a jump ball. Can he get a jump ball? He's listed at 6'2", 175 on his profile. Danny has him listed at 6'3", 180, so not sure what he is. You know, Quincy's a guy that we need to get an official 40 time on, especially in this day and age. And I'll say this about his highlight video. There's another interception for him. I'll say this about his highlight video. Like, it could be cut up a little bit more. Like, there's a lot of pre-snap stuff that make it a little, you know, boring. And it's 24 minutes long, so it's like all of his plays. It's not like a five-minute, hey, here are my very best plays. Can he return? I'm not sure he'll return in college, but here he is, weaving through traffic, making a couple of moves on his way to six. Nice move there. I think if we we just need to get a 40 time on him, as I've said before, or a 100 time, I guess, that's a, you know, an official so they can verify his speed. That's something that 24, especially in this day and age, where you can't just go see everybody. Um, I think that's something that we we're waiting on on 24-7 sports to make him a four-star commitment. Here's another one on a slant. Malik Horns, or <laughs> why do I get Malik Horns? We Miles Celestia, Quincy McAdoo. Can't get my names right today. So. Nice addition. That bumps Arkansas to the number 11 ranked class in the country. Now, they got to add some more ballers to stay at 11. They're like ahead of Alabama right now. But Arkansas has never been 11th in April. They've never had the eighth, uh, 11th ranked recruiting class in April. So that's definitely notable. Good number of commits on board. Top commit right now is Miles Rouser, number 165 overall prospect in the country. Went up to Michigan to get him. So if Miles Rouser stays the number one ranked prospect in the country, or in the country, what am I doing right now? The number one ranked prospect for Arkansas, if he remains in the top one, Miles Slusher was number one for him last year. So that would be two years in a row they would get their top player would be a safety. Two years in a row. I mean, there's a lot of inside jokes we have, like on, on the Razor's Edge message forum, uh, which, again, is free today, free VIP day if you want to read everything on the Razor's Edge premium forum. But we have a lot of, like, insider Joe stuff. One of them is, like, can he play safety on just about everything? You know, can he play safety? But Arkansas has recruited really well lately at safety. I mean, Jalen Catalan in the 2019 class, Miles Slusher, Miles Rouser. And that's not, you know, including, like, Nick Nick Turner, who's pretty much Nick has moved over to, to cornerback now. He's got a lot of speed. But he started the game as a true freshman, I think the last game of the year, last year, at safety. They've recruited pretty well at that spot overall. But Miles Rouser, Andrew Chambly, Rashad, Rashad DeBinion, who I call the cryptocurrency, sounds like a cryptocurrency, Quincy McAdoo, all of those are like top 400 type players, top, ranked in the top 400 nationally. James Joyner, 
running back out of uh, Little Rock Parkview, Eli Henderson out of Burns, Oklahoma, Burns uh, High School, Dunklin, Oklahoma, J.J. Hollingsworth out of Greenland, Dax Courtney out of DeWitt, and Caden Henley out of Shiloh Christian linebacker. Those are Arkansas's commitments right now. Nine commitments, number 11th ranked class in the country, number four in the SEC. All right. Before we go much further, I want to get to my man Keith Grayson. Keith, for those of you who don't know, is the disgraced former founder and president of the Arizona Razorback Club. That's a great story if you ever want to ask him about that. Our resident Razorback fan provides a unique insight, I think. Hopefully he picks up. You never know what he's up to. Three rings. Hello. What's up, Keith? How you doing, man? What's up, man? This is the podcast. This is the podcast. You're on live with Hog Sports Perfect. Live right now. Today's a free VIP day, by the way, Keith, for all of our non-subscribers who want to check out what we've got at Hog Sports. But I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, Keith, before we get into any basketball stuff. But w- I'm sure you watched the red-white game. What were your impressions? Um, watched a lot on the defense just to see if they were going to really add anything new to it because we, we ran a lot of base, you know, drop spot zone coverage last year and didn't really get too exotic with it. And now they came out and they started using, obviously everybody's going to focus on the four down linemen, but mm-hmm. we're also running a lot of three safety stuff. Yeah. You know, was that Zymos? Was it Zymos? You always correct people. When Zymos? They say I get corrected too. It's Zymos, but I, I'm pretty sure. He smacked somebody. <laughs> ran through a block and smacked somebody on a um, – he showed up. Jaden Johnson showed up a little bit. I like Jaden Johnson, yeah. Miles My, Slusher probably had the best scrimmage out of all the defensive backs, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought he was I thought he was everywhere. He had one tackle he missed on Dominic Johnson, who outweighs him by about 40 pounds or so. But uh, I thought he also stuffed Dominic Johnson once. I, th- I, I made a comment earlier – to me, he was the only guy on the white team defense who looked like a starter, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right. You know, Zach Zimus played nickel some. He played safety some. We did not see – I don't think maybe in a couple of situations they ran three down linemen, but I think for the most part we saw just a four-man front. And they've been running the three-two-six all spring predominantly I don't even think they got into four down linemen until after spring break for the second half of spring so and that's one reason I think Pittman wanted to do uh, to do it that way with the three two six just because or excuse me with the four down uh, four two five just because they haven't done it as much but uh, what'd you think of KJ um no I like KJ I think that an element of his game is taken away in situations like that same way with well any of the quarterbacks really is mm-hmm. that if you take away his run game and say hey we really want to focus on this or you're going to get blown down and if somebody tags off on you with a pinky finger that doesn't that's not going to count as a sack in a real game like it's going to take a lot more than that to bring him down so I think that when you take away a dual a dual threat quarterback's legs i mean in that game especially with the way that the offense is run where there's he's probably going to have a, an option to hand the ball off to the back an option to you know um to throw the ball and then the third option is him to take it and run you're taking away at 33 percent of the, the the offense's game plan <laughs> so um he looked good. I think, you know, hopefully they'll get the blown coverages 
because we were really just hitting some big licks on people not um, with their eyes not being in the right place mm-hmm. on the back end. So I um, no, I like KJ a lot. I, you see, the thing is, like, I know people always talk about competition levels and where people come from, especially like in Arkansas. I know he's from Mississippi originally, but people bag on people or on recruits a lot of times, like, well, yeah, they're doing it, but look who they're doing it against. Like the competition still, if you're going to throw for 9,000 yards in your career, you got to be, you got to have an arm. Like it's not, it's the production level. Um, And you mentioned all the times Zach Williams and Matthias Soli, they're not bad defensive ends. Um, They're going to, they were getting 20 sacks each in their senior year of high school. Like it's at some point it's got to click at the next level. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, another guy that we didn't talk about a whole lot is Cade Renfro, who, to me, it feels like after the scrimmage, he's he's the new Dalton Hyatt. <laughs> after, if you remember the red-white game several years ago, a few years ago now, Dalton Hyatt had like a couple of good runs, and everybody was like on the Dalton Hyatt bandwagon. And Cade Renfro, I thought, showed a pretty live arm. I think he's got more talent than Dalton does, uh, and and is a better runner. But for a walk-on quarterback, I thought he showed some nice zip, some nice mobility that I haven't really seen him show all spring. Uh, but maybe he's a guy down the road that we could be talking about. Um, I wouldn't say like you know, I, I made the Dalton Hyatt comparison. I just seen so many people like, Hey, what about Cade Renfro now? You know, but it seems like everybody on the team at quarterback has wheels. Now, John Steven, you know, I don't think that John Steven has the arm strength. that's going to carry him very far. Um, but he makes some quick decisions. You know, he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, but it's, I think it's just, you know, a lack of overall size. John Stevens listed at five eleven. I would say he's probably closer to about five nine, to be honest. Um, but you know, Cade Renfro, he's one of those guys that's listed at like six three, but looks like he's a, he's a lot bigger. Um, you know, kind of a long limb guy. But I thought I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, Malik better step it up because he's coming. I mean, usually there's controversy, and everybody's favorite quarterback is the number two guy. Um, wanting him to get more looks as, mm-hmm. as starting quarterback. But I mean, my impression coming off of it was Renfro's probably the number two heading into the heading into the season just because he looked yeah he, he looks way better than i expected did we ever did he ever see the field at Ole miss no i think he just i think he just redshirted but i wouldn't say that quite yet just because i think that you know malik does some things that are kind of impatient you know they were probably i think he started off four or seven i would say all three of those incompletions all could have been intercepted by him i just think that when he's able to, you know, when they have design runs and stuff for him, that he's really going to challenge a defense into into staying honest. And I've made the comparison a little bit, like, with Nick Marshall at Auburn because he's got that kind of speed. Just like even Sam Pittman the other day said, you know, when Sam Pittman was naming off, like, who he'd taken six furlongs, I think he said uh, Oglesby, who he'd taken seven furlongs. He was like, I think I'd take Traylon Burks, but I might I might have Malik Hornsby in there. And from what I've seen from him all spring is when he decides to turn it up, it's just zoom. I mean, he, he is just suddenly past everybody. And when that that's what made Nick Marshall so dangerous, both as a runner but – also, as a passer, like Nick Marshall wasn't a good thrower, but he still threw for 2,500 yards because everybody was scared to death of him running the ball. And Malik could possibly be something like that. And with this offense, and I thought Sam Pittman made a good point, with this offense, you're going to ask your quarterback to run a lot. And there's going to be times where somebody gets dinged up a little bit and they're going to have to come out of the game. You're going to need that backup quarterback to be to be reliable for you. But 
Um, he is just a redshirt freshman. This is his first spring. I guess it's his first spring for a lot of guys, but it's his first spring, and you know, I think that he's got. I think he's got a lot of upside, but Cade Renfro definitely, I think, opened a lot of eyes Saturday. Again, in that type of setting, you're not going to see Hornsby in a game sit there and go, all right, here's my first read, my second read, get to the third progression, pat your feet, sit in the pocket. He's he's one is if it's covered up, he's gone. You know, yeah. that's that's what that's what a real but game that, is. But that, that works kind of for the RPO game. I mean, what you're reading your conflict defender, right? And then, you know, you're either handing the ball off or you're keeping it or you're, you know, you're throwing it. So maybe that's something that could work for him. Maybe it's not like, you know, a situation where he's got to span the whole field, at least starting out. But I don't think he's going to have to. I think, you know, you'll get a package for him. And, uh, you know, you have K.J. Jefferson and then you work on your backup package. To, so keep it pretty limited for him. Let him progress uh, at a good pace. Yeah, and I just – the whole thing is interesting to me. Like, I'm, I'm not – Normally, I come in for spring spring games. I, I knew that this was going to be – I got a little bit going on right now, so I couldn't make it down mm-hmm. for this one. But um, I uh, there's not a whole lot to take away from it other than, like, see kind of what the depth chart's looking like and see the younger guys get out there. They're not going to show anything. It's, there's, it's really hard to take stuff away from, you know, what the scheme's going to be in the season and stuff like that because I think they, they hold back a lot. But um, it was good to see – Dominic Johnson break a couple tackles because we need a thumper. And everybody's talking about uh, Rocket Sanders, who, who got some – it looks like he got a little bit of run at kickoff return. Mm-hmm. So, he's trying to get his hands on the ball in different situations. But I I think uh, Dominic Johnson probably had – looked probably like one of the best running backs coming out of out of the backfield for the uh, – I think the Ogles experiment may be coming to an end. <laughs> but uh, – and T.J. Hammond's – They'll have to just find. They'll just have to kind of find ways to get Oglesby the ball. I think um, he's not going to be a traditional running back, so they'll figure out something with him. But um, running between the tackles, I'm not sure is it. I know you're on the must bus, Keith. What do you think about this four million dollar deal? Well, the crazy thing is, normally I when something's going wrong in my life, I blame it on Trey Biddy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I do put I a that. lot of emphasis on i think you uh you jinx everything in arkansas uh sports but you may want to take a little <laughs> i'm not a jinx here. i am not you a are jinx. no you are <laughs> you pre-write articles and stuff about winning national titles and everything so all right but i think everybody has to back and look and realize that this basketball season was credited all to trade biddy because you hired Curtis Wilkerson, and yeah, once you finally got serious about basketball, I would look back and see what their record was since the hiring of uh, Curtis, because mm-hmm. that totally changed the game. Yeah, so uh, maybe Curtis is the anti-jinx then. Yeah, I'm something. still a jinx. <laughs> Curtis, was, Curtis was a great addition. For those of you who hadn't followed Curtis Wilkerson, he's at Kurt Wilkerson underscore. It's a terrible Twitter handle, but that's his handle. Uh, but go follow him if you haven't. He was in Nashville. He was in Indianapolis. He does the Hog Hoops Live show, which is the sister show to this one. But definitely follow his. Uh, he does a great job covering basketball. He delivers a lot of insight. Got anything else you want to add, Keith, before we let you go? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Musselman contract was kind of expected, right? I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. – I think everybody – I get, my thing on it is – Personally, I don't expect the guy to be here more than four years. Is that a bad thing to say? <laughs> like, I expect him to win so much mm-hmm. that he either takes an NBA job or 
you know, takes an NBA job. I think he, he, does, I think he might be done with the NBA. I mean, look at the look at the path that he's had since. It's kind of like a reinvent yourself type of deal. Like he came back to college, he took an assistant coaching job uh, at, in college at two different spots. I believe it was wasn't he at Arizona State and LSU? Not right. And then yeah. and then took the Nevada job for four years. And it, it, to me, he's all kind of built himself uh, to get to you know the major college level, like an SEC school like Arkansas, and then get to that second contract, which he has done now. To me, I think he's a college coach now. I think he gets it. I think he's got a good game plan for it. I, I think he fits well. The social media side of it that he does, he's so good at it. that. To me, you know, that doesn't matter in the NBA. Nobody cares about your social media presence in the NBA. But in college, when it comes to recruiting and you know the type of fans you have in college, I, I just I think he's a better fit for the college game. Maybe that's just like me as a Razorback fan expecting, like mm-hmm. we, we finally get to a certain point, I'm expecting it to go wrong somehow. Right, right. Well, you know what? And I think that's what everybody's reaction with the buyout. If, I he think gets a, like, if, he, if he gets an NBA job or, you know, some people have speculated that maybe one day he goes back over to the, the Pac-12, you know, which I don't know which jobs he would take there, um, you know. Cronin just got an extension at UCLA. But, you know, there's some speculation that that could happen, all that kind of stuff down the road. But to me – if he were to take, you know, another big job like that, that means he's had a ton of success at Arkansas and put Arkansas in a really good spot to move forward. And it's kind of like the same thing with Moses Moody. You know, people are like, oh, Moses doesn't need to go to the pros. Like, if Moses Moody's a lottery pick, that's a great thing for Arkansas. It's great exposure for Musselman, for Arkansas, for the whole for the whole thing. You're going to have, you know, great players who come into college are going to go pro early, and that's just the way it is. So, uh, if Moody gets drafted early, then that's that's nothing but great exposure for Arkansas. So um, I never got to the, the point people trying to tell people how to spend their money or make life decisions without ever meeting that person. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, the kid's 18 years old and he's going to be a multi multi millionaire here mm-hmm. in uh, a couple of weeks. Let him do whatever the hell he wants and wish him well and thank him for coming. What do you? Um, then, I, hey, what do you think? What do you think of this buyout for Musselman? You pleased with the buyout? That's the, well, I think you probably put it best. Like, if he does well, it's going to be renegotiated in two years anyway, right? right? I mean, isn't that how they do contracts? So it's going to be renegotiated in two years. He's he has, like, like Yurichek has said in the past, he has all the leverage because he's winning, and I think he used that used that in the contract negotiations because he knows that with that low buyout, there's going to be there's going to be people they're suiting him for another job, and when that buyout comes around or when that buyout comes down to 2 million or 1 million by the time they renegotiate the contract. And he's going to use that to be not the seventh highest paid coach in America. He may be top three mm-hmm. at that point, depending on, you know, where Calipari and just, Ch- Ch- Oh my God. I, can't even say. I haven't had any coffee. It's, cr- it's pronounced Chris whiskey. <laughs> I haven't had <laughs> coffee yet. That's why I was like, this is the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Mike yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, so, you know, here's another thing, though. Like, and what I've said is, so Arkansas is paying him $4 million a year, which is the top 10 salary now in the country. It, it drops to, after the, the last game of next season, it drops from $7.5 million to $2 million, which, you know, $2 million, there's some big programs that say, oh, that's not too bad. We'll, we'll go get him for $2 million. But to me, the real crux of it is the $4 million salary. So if somebody, yeah. if somebody out salary. there is wanting to say, hey, we'll pay you more than $4 million, because it's not going to be $4.5 million isn't going to get him. It's going to be $5 million or more. And then Arkansas is starting at $4 million, so you're talking about paying him $2 million and then paying him $5 million plus just to get him from Arkansas. So if you're 
if you can do that in a top 10, you know, with the top 10 salary already, more power to you. Hey, right. You know, like to me, that's a big, as big a part of the buyout as anything. Plus, if we're talking about LA or something like that, or, you know, even San Diego's, you know, he had University of San Diego in there. You're in the housing market, uh, Keith. What's the, what's the difference in um, housing cost in Fayetteville, Arkansas versus Los Angeles? Well, it may it may be getting a little closer than you think since everybody's leaving California. True. <laughs> well, last check, but, it was like 300%, so I'm sure it's still yeah. pretty big difference. And yeah. then, you know, probably I think it's like 110% more cost of living in Los Angeles uh, versus Fayetteville, Arkansas. So that's, you know, that's something to consider. And the, that, that pool of schools that are going to be able to offer all of those things is going to dwindle down to mm-hmm. almost zero. I don't even know who, what the job is going to be at the end that could actually lure him away from Fayetteville. So that's, right. that's I mean, it's all uh, trying to keep everything in some sort of perspective, and it's, but it's, it's all fresh. So yeah. anyway, thanks for having me back on the show, Trey. I, I need to talk to HR over 24-7 because I thought I was um, unfairly – let go because of COVID. Uh, I, for, for all those wondering where I've been, Trey asked me to be on the show and I always say yes. And then one time I said, my whole staff is out with COVID and, um, I, I can't like hold, like breathe into the phone without coughing. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, I can't get COVID over the phone. See you later. <laughs> so, thanks for that, buddy. It's signed. I'm a little high in this. <laughs> all right. Appreciate you, Keith. <laughs> Later, dude. <laughs> All right, later. That's Keith Grayson. Keith Keith is always very entertaining. Um, he's been with us for a long time at hogsports.com. You can read his stuff on the Razor's Edge message board, his random takes and outbreaks. And, again, it is a free VIP day at Hog Sports, so go check out our VIP content if you haven't done so already. Um, just a lot, like – I think I got a, let's see if I got a couple of examples here for you, what we got on hog sports right now. I mean, there's like, first of all, the, the scrimmage breakdown, some of the scrimmage stuff I've talked about just, you know, a lot more in depth. Um, there's a, a, an article from Danny um, with Nico Davalier, um, Davier, Davier, Davalier. I'm saying that right. Uh, just where he breaks down the latest in his recruitment, the Maumelle defensive lineman. Um, some uh, several of Arkansas's current commitments talking about Quincy McAdoo. You can read what they have to say. My last look, which I always call the red-white scrimmage extravaganza where we overanalyze everything. Uh, my breakdown on Miles Slusher, everything that he's shown in the red-white and what he's done to this point. K.J. Jefferson and how he's checking boxes at Arkansas quarterback. Just, you know, deep dive, breaking down everything that I've learned over the spring. Um, you know, my opinion on, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the, the starting defensive line versus Arkansas starting offensive line and the backup O-line versus the backup D-line, how that matchup went. Uh, you know, just a little more on the visitors from the red-white game. Danny West, big red recruiting board. For those of you who aren't familiar with that, Danny List, you know, all the real viable, not just like just a list of offers, but like who's really like reciprocating interest. Arkansas is really interested in listening to them, hot, warm, cold, a breakdown, uh, you know, with content on on where the situation is, just painting the big picture, not only of the recruiting class, but also where Arkansas's roster is. It's a really nice look that we we keep regularly updated um, you know, just the official visitors for June, a couple more official visitors recently added. Uh, so just all that stuff, um, you know, in our content side of thing. And then, of course, engaging with our community, which is just as important to me as the content, uh, our Razor's Edge VIP forum. So be sure to check out 
our free VIP day at Hog Sports if you haven't done so. Throughout the day, I guess it probably am like, I think they usually keep stuff on Eastern time, so about like 10, 59 p.m. And I'll say this too. Usually when we do these free days, if you've been paying attention, we don't do them very often. It's very rare. But when we do do them, when we do do, when we do do them, usually follow it up with a little something special. You know, you know. obviously we're trying to get you to see what we do. So usually we follow it up with a little special offer. So you might want to tune into that on Tuesday. Just a hint. CBS Sports already is doing their top 25 and one for next year. Arkansas, I think, was 12th last year. They've moved up to number nine. I've seen them as high as five, I believe, or four, four or five nationally. And a lot of that's because of the, what, the job that they've done in the transfer market. Exceptional job and probably not done yet. Curtis Wilkerson's got some nice breakdowns just on the overall roster. Curtis does such a great job covering basketball. Really timely addition. Not to toot my own horn there, but it was a nice timing to bring in a guy with Curtis's background. Curtis, for those of you who don't know, he's a former uh, NAIA player. Uh, he's from McCrory, Arkansas, so he grew up in Arkansas, but he went to St. Louis to play NAIA. Um, also has coached on the NAIA level, was an interim head coach on the NAIA level, and he's worked in administration, just about everything in sports, and um, was at busting brackets and prep hoops before uh, coming over to Hog Sports. And we had like 40 people apply for the job, and Curtis is the guy that stood out. Arkansas baseball, we touched on that a little bit, but uh, they won the series over Texas A&M. It's still ranked number one in uh, SEC power rankings. I guess they're number one nationally, aren't they? But uh, 30 and 6 overall, 11 and 4 in SEC play right now, which is first in the division. Um, but, yeah, they, they dropped uh, the Sunday game 11-10. Number two is Vanderbilt. Number three is Mississippi State. Number four is Tennessee. Number five is Ole Miss. Six, South Carolina. Seven, Florida. Eight, Georgia. Nine, Alabama. Ten, LSU. Eleven, Kentucky. Twelve, A&M. Thirteen, Auburn. Fourteen, Missouri. And that's it. Bobby Petrino, just a few housekeeping things here and there. Bobby Petrino in Missouri State has made the FCS playoffs. They went 5-1 and one in Missouri Valley play. If Bobby Petrino stays there after the next season, 2022, Arkansas is scheduled to play them. Bobby Petrino could come back to Arkansas in 2022 as an opposing head coach. Wouldn't that be wild? Matt Howe came out with college football's top 25 helmets. Arkansas was disrespected by finishing 11th. Now, having said that, it is good from a national perspective that somebody saw Arkansas, you know, as 11th when it comes to helmets. My personal opinion, if Arkansas were, like, winning at a bigger clip, maybe a little bit better historical winning, uh, then they would be inside the top five and probably possibly number one where they belong. So here's the top 10 helmets. Arkansas is 11th again. USC. USC belongs there, sure. A lot of historic success. I can understand that. They got a nice, unique look, unique logo. Florida State, that's a pretty iconic helmet, number nine. LSU, number eight. A little plain, but there's a, there's a tradition there. You know, it's not a bad-looking lid. Texas. Yeah, seventh. Michigan, six. I think Michigan might have got a little undervalued. 
I mean, everybody knows Michigan when they see Michigan on TV. They know the helmet, right? Um, got a good look, yellow and blue, nice complementary colors there. Good looking helmet that fits. But a lot of people don't know this, but the reason Michigan's helmet looks like that is it's like the stitching from the old leather helmets incorporated over. Alabama, the only reason Alabama is there is because they're a winner, right? I mean, it's almost as plain as you can get with numbers on the side, striped down the middle. That's how we had it at Sheridan when I was in high school, except for it was blue and yellow, blue and gold. Miami number four, I can get behind that. I mean, Miami has a good-looking helmet with the U on the side, double stripe down the middle. Notre Dame number three, I like the new Notre Dame helmets. Now, they – they had the old helmets with the, you know, the gold flakes in them and the student managers, I guess, would paint them. I think that's how it worked before the games. And they had to go away from that for this look. But I like the gold. It matches the dome. It's shiny. It was at a time when everybody was going with the flat look, which I think is played now. But, uh, I mean, even Arkansas has gone from the satin look to the, back to the pearl style. But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame, good-looking helmet. Penn State, I mean, again, it comes back to tradition. It's a clean look. I like Penn State's nice, clean, traditional look. But generally, what are we talking about, a white helmet with a blue stripe, number two? And Ohio State. Ohio State gets some credit for the the Buckeye. I don't love their, you know, their, their colors or anything, but I understand, you know, with, when it comes to tradition and, you know, they have a pretty iconic look there. So Arkansas 11th. Again, I'll tell you what's different here, though, which you'll notice. you got Arkansas 11th and 10, USC, historical power, Notre Dame, or Florida State, historical power, LSU, historical power, Texas, historical power, Michigan, Alabama, Miami, Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State, all historical powers, and then there's Arkansas. It says a lot. Keep that in mind because this is also a list that's influenced by that historical I mean, obviously, Notre Dame, I mean, I mean, uh, excuse me, Alabama, Penn State, you know, there's nothing flashy about those helmets. So good credit for Arkansas there. I thought this was interesting. Felipe Franks, this uh, one NFL scout, sees him possibly, if it doesn't work out for him at quarterback, working out at tight end. I mean, he's 6'6 plus, 235 or so, 240. Big kid, ran in the 455 range. 82-inch wingspan. I could see that possibly. If it doesn't work out for Felipe at quarterback, maybe maybe look at him at tight end. All right. We got some questions. How long have we gone here? I feel like we've been talking for a while. My voice is starting to get the, uh, oh, we've gone 52 minutes. No wonder. All right. I guess we could see if we got any notable questions here. Oh, questions aren't showing up. It's one of those days where Facebook isn't showing up questions. And that's fine today. I mean, I've gone over pretty much all my thoughts, so I hate if I miss some of the stuff from you guys. But I do want to say, do the free VIP day today. Check it out. Check out the free VIP day. You'll be glad you did. Again, there's no sign-up or anything. You just go to the site and start clicking buttons, right? We just left the door unlocked. That's all. No sign-up. Nobody's going to make you do anything. Just come read the free content. Enjoy it. It's our way of saying thank you for checking out all our content. I mean, we have two, you know, we're two dual revenue stream type of business, right? We have our VIP recruiting, insider information stuff, our premium message board, that side of things. And then we do a lot of free stuff. 
all right, which we generate ad revenue on. And it's just our way of saying thank you for reading our free content. Now come check out our VIP stuff, and we might have something special for you tomorrow. All right, I want to thank Keith Grayson for joining us, providing his fan insight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. I think we covered everything I wanted to cover. Yeah. All right, everybody. Be back with you guys maybe Thursday. We'll see. Maybe we have Curtis Wilkerson on do a little more basketball stuff. You never know. They're still involved in the transfer market, so we may do the Hog Hoops live show on Thursday or later, just depending on how things shake out. But, uh, yeah, I pretty much did it. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining me. This has been Trey Biddy with HogSports.com. Check out our free day. We'll catch you next time.